Playing against North Carolina is always huge, and it's a blue blood team, um, and that's always time that Tennessee plays. Tennessee's huge, so um, we're just focus on the game and getting this win. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Feels like below freezing time. Tennessee has a football coach time. Tennessee still has a basketball coach time. We're having a good time bringing this podcast to you time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Grant Ramey here coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Grant had that look in his in his eyes like he was getting ready to to offer up a a time part of the intro and and then he he didn't and so we had an awkward pause there but you know what that's okay we just Pregnant roll pause. with it we just roll with it it's no big deal sometimes Patrick interjects one I'm not very creative though it's crazy to think that Rick Barnes is one of the more tenured coaches on campus at this point isn't it I mean the guy's been here since March 2015 and he's on his third athletic director and second football coach. <laughs> I mean, just go down the list. Baseball coach is new. <laughs> and you go. It's like during that whole Title IX thing, he kind of became like the spokesman, really, uh, of the department, it seems. And, and now definitely is the spokesman of the department. So at least, but he probably hears Jeremy Pruitt talk, and he's like, yeah, I can understand that. He's the deacon. I can speak that. I, I, show, I showed him after practice the other day. I showed him the asparagus video, and he enjoyed it. <laughs> What is that? He said, "You think uh, you think the fans will like him?" I said, "The fans will like him because he talks like they talk." Mm-hmm. And Barnes he said, does. And Barnes said, "Since he's been back here, he's got some of his Carolina twang back." Really? Without even really noticing it. Is he still uh, eating that weird barbecue sauce instead of good barbecue sauce? You don't like Carolina barbecue sauce? Not as much as I like, you know, the traditional Memphis, uh, St. Louis, Kansas City style. If you can get the right, if you can get the right Carolina barbecue sauce. It's money. And I know... Nothing against other barbecue sauces. Well, and I know Rick's not listening to this, so I'll just go ahead and say it. Yeah, I'm not not the biggest fan of the Carolina barbecue sauce. Because Rick, anytime he's on the grill, you're getting that Carolina barbecue sauce. Rick's thing uh, from growing up in Hickory is liver mush. (sighs) If you don't know what liver mush is, give that a Google. I've I've tried it in the establishment that Rick grew up eating it at in Hickory, this little roadside diner. And it is... uh, It's something. Kind of like a, a local delicacy, like like uh, Scrapple is up north or something it's, like that? It's how I picture outsiders eating a sauce burger at Pals, whereas I love it. Oh, I like it. It's comfort food, but there are a lot of people that don't like it because they don't understand it. You know, before we move on and talk basketball, someone last night, I was on the uh, phone on Tuesday night, I believe it was, trying to uh, get the uh, the DirecTV Genie feature to, to start working again. And the lady on the phone was, like, probably the nicest customer service person I've ever met. And she started telling me about banana pudding cake. And I'd never heard of this. And then I started Googling it, and I said, you know what, ma'am? This is the best customer service call that I can ever remember now. Because now there's going to be some so of that. fixed my TV, and now there's banana pudding cake. Oh, yeah. I'm a big, big, big fan of that. You know what else I'm a big fan of is uh, covering sports that are that are um, good. And right now, Tennessee basketball is, uh, dare I say, good. Not just okay, not just solid. Uh, Grant, this might be a good basketball team. After an 81-71 win over Lipscomb over the weekend, Tennessee is now 20th nationally and, and is 
uh, having a good long week of practice, finishing up final exams, and then hosting the seventh-ranked North Carolina Tar Heels on Sunday in a sold-out Thompson Bowling Arena. It is, it is basketball time. Sold out, and it's been sold out for over a week now, maybe basically a week and a half now. Some guy was on StubHub last night, Section 321, Row 7, trying to sell two tickets for $572 each. Up in the 300 level? Yeah, when you can get in the door for less than 60 bucks, this guy was just uh, trying to find two suckers on the Internet. <laughs> I guess buy that. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, when, when I started analyzing the schedule in this roster back during the summer, I mean, there were a lot of ways you thought this season could start. Uh, there's no way I would have wrote down seven and one and them ranked twentieth sitting here on, uh, you know, middle of December. Seven and one with the win over Purdue and darn near a win over Villanova. So yeah. I, I mean, you I know, mean the, the number one team in a lot of polls. Uh, Ken Palm is, has Nova number one. And that was a team Tennessee was up fifteen on uh, in the first half. Just kind of crazy how, how how this how this happens. But you know, here here's what here's what I'll say about this team. This is the team that Rick Barnes thought he had been building. And the past couple of years, he was a little bit more bullish on his guys th- than other people were. And, you know. And people had reason to be oh, based sure. on results. Oh, sure. And and he looked at it and he said, you know what? You know, if Kevin Punter had just stayed healthy, if Hubs had just stayed healthy, I, I, th- I think I had some players. I think I had a team that could do some things. And you saw that at times, but that team just kind of struggled to finish. And now – but now you look at a team that, you know, those guys that were talented freshmen and sophomores, well, now they're sophomores and juniors. Uh, you've bolstered your backcourt with a couple of really kind of veteran guards who can who can give you something when guys like Bone and Turner aren't giving you much. Uh, he's got a team. I mean, just the, the lineups he can throw out there. They can go big. They can go uh, small. They can go quick. They can go powerful. You know, they can go 94 feet. You know, they, they can go half court, uh, they can go zone, they can go man, uh, and they can attack a zone and a man when they have the ball on offense. And and he has now, you know, Bob Knight has that old saying that, I don't want to butcher it, but basically that you can bench someone, and when you bench someone, the force that goes from their backside up to their brain when they sit down, starts talking. it starts talking to them and is a motivator. And, and Barnes has known that he had to be kind of, he didn't really want to be, but he kind of had to be all hat, no cattle with that the past couple of years because there were guys. I mean, he picked his moments, like when he benched Hubs and benched Turner and did these things and benched Mostella. And played Brad Woodson. You know, yeah. Shout out Brad Woodson. Shout out Brad Woodson. Cuts hard, cuts hard, cuts good. You know you know what you're getting from? Yeah, you know, cuts hard, shoots, you know, he'll do what we want to do. Uh, he could, with few exceptions, you know, he, he didn't really have the opportunity or the luxury to – maybe sort of mess around with these guys and, and to to show them and prove them a point. Well, right now, there's nobody on that team that he can't kind of live without. You know, knock on wood when you say that because injuries happen and those kind of things. But, you know, you, you look at it like when you're a guy like Lamonte Turner now, what Rick Barnes can do is say, you know what, Lamonte, you just, you just be you, you just do you, and uh, if you're not making shots or you're screwing around, I'll get somebody else out there. You know, I'll, I'll let you handle – I'll let you be you, and when it's not working, it, it won't work, and that's all right. Or, you know, if, if Admiral is having one of those moments where he's taking a few too many shots and getting a little bit out of sorts, 
You know, he can he can kind of sit him down for a minute, calm him down. He he can do that when when Bones having one of those frustrating games. You know, he goes from all world to ugh so quickly. He can he can do that, and he can play other guys. He can bring in Daniel. He can bring in Darrington. Uh, he just he's got options now. You know, he can even throw guys like Fulkerson uh, in there when guys like. Um, you know, maybe like a Kyle Alexander is not giving him the toughness he wants. So he, he can do – he can motivate all these guys. And, and the kind of X factor here is they're open to that kind of play. Yes. I don't think anyone on this team wants to be the biggest piece of the puzzle to this team. I mean, Grant Williams knows he can score. He knows he can rebound. He, he knows night in and night out that this team is going to go as he goes, and, and he needs to be a big factor. But he, he also knows if he's not hitting shots, there are a lot of other people on that team that can hit shots. Uh, if he's not rebounding, there are other guys in, in the post that can rebound. They're all open to that 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 mindset that if I'm not getting it done, somebody else is going to get it done, and that's fine as long as they win. Yeah, that's th- that's the interesting thing is that you know you got guys like James Daniel, and we've mentioned this ad nauseum, but a, a guy who used to score nearly you know scored more than 20 points a game, 27 points, whatever it was per game, 27.1. two years ago. Yeah, and, and a guy who a guy like Darrington, who's always put up a bunch of points wherever he's played, and these guys came to a place like Tennessee because they wanted to be a part of something bigger than that. And they're just – the lack of egos on this team right now, it's like they are enjoying being a mob, kind of. You know, you get some places where the guys like being on the bench mob. This is like a full team mob. Like, they, they want to be stronger than the sum of the parts. Yes. They want to be a machine. And that when, you're work, when you're winning, you can do that all day long. That's what guys like Cal Perry do at Kentucky. You know, different because you're talking about a bunch of one-and-dones you're doing this with. But it's kind of the same principle. You put, you put the team above yourself, and you just go out there, and the, the only thing that matters every night is that you finish the game with more points than the other team. That's the only thing that matters. And – I really enjoy that because these guys, and we've noticed this before, and, and we've said this a lot before, that that and fans don't necessarily care about things like this, but these are just a fun group of guys to be around. And I think they like being around each other. I think they push each other hard on the practice floor, and I think they're good friends off the floor. And I think that, that, that whole mindset starts with Barnes and the staff about how they're so, they're so much like a family – but when they're on the court, they're a tough love family. And, and when they're off the court, they're just a, a good old-fashioned lovey-dovey family. And there's just a something sort of special, I think, kind of brewing in this program right now with that stuff. And, and there was 100% valid reason for people to question their recruiting methods the past two years because, or since Rick got here. Because recruiting, obviously, every coach says it, it's the lifeblood of your sport, of your team. Oh, yeah. And they have not signed highest-rated guys in the country by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, they are bottom half of the SEC would be a compliment to describe their their recruiting mm-hmm. abilities over the last couple of years. So it's it's hard to sell that to the fan base. But right now, when you're seven and one through eight games, and when you're back in the poll at number twenty, uh, beat a team like Purdue, beat up on a team like Villanova for at least a half, and and have that fall apart, you can start selling that stuff because it's been hard to sell the way they're trying to build this program the last couple of years. It's people want five stars and four stars. And right now East Ponds, I believe, is the only four star. But the personalities they've they've recruited and signed, the skills they've recruited and signed are to the point where it looks like it's it's meshed and it's it's starting to click. 
and and that's I mean that's the thing we we'll, we'll keep coming back to to depth and defense. The the amount of times this team can have three good minutes of defense, or the amount of times where it gets to the ten minute mark in the first half and the opposing team has like ten or eleven points. I mean that's playing good basketball. That feels like the biggest the biggest difference from the last two years. Not only are the added pieces the way this roster looks now with James Daniel, Chris Darrington, all those guys, it's the way they're bought in defensively and the way they really don't care who gets the credit. Because, like you said, at at Howard, James Daniel shot 16 times a game and scored over 20 a night, night in and night out. Now he's uh, he gets praised more for his assists. He's had two games with 10 assists and his defense. Yeah, here's the crazy thing to me, too. When you talk about the, the couple of recruiting classes that, that Barnes has brought in to Tennessee that are just really kind of his classes, you know, the, neither one was ranked that high, both sort of in the bottom half of the SEC. And on top of that, the top-rated prospect that Tennessee had in that 2016 class, Jalen Johnson, the third-highest-rated highest, pro, third prospect in that class that they signed, Quay Parker. 2017, highest-rated prospect, Eve Pons. And they've not gotten a ton from those guys yet. Now, I think we Basically could Basically zero. Yeah, and I think we could all agree that Pons and Johnson both are high-upside guys who could have – who could be really good basketball players at some point. And both would be guys who a couple years ago would be probably starting on this team right now. But the, the fact is, you look at the just the way that they've been able to identify players who have what they want I mean, it's almost kind of like I don't. I don't think it's, it's exactly the same thing, but it kind of reminds me of what a program like a Butler does. Mm-hmm. And also, when you look at it in some ways, kind of what a Villanova does. They're not sitting there getting five stars every year. They're getting guys that really fit what they want, and guys they want to coach, guys who are coachable, guys who are fun to be around. And they're taking those guys, and they're turning basketball players out of them they're making them into basketball players and they're fitting into the culture they want now with this i think barnes now and i think you're starting to see this a little bit they can go out on the trail and they can try to get in there for some more you know five-star types and four-star types and they're doing that they're absolutely doing that but they built this thing with their kinds of guys. And that's what Barnes did at Texas. That's what he's done everywhere he's been is he has gone there and he's put in a foundation with his kinds of guys. And then he's gone and sprinkled in a little bit of the hot sauce. And it's really hard to sell fit when you're recruiting. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's hard to sell that to the fan base, not, not to the players, to the fan base. It's hard to sell fit and coachable players because that's, that's not the stuff that factors into a three star, four star, five star rating or the rankings but when you look at this team, the way they play, the way they interact, the way they talk after games, the way they, uh, the way they are in practice, it feels like that coachable mentality and that fit and the personalities that they've assembled really do make a difference. I mean, it's, it's one of the biggest things you notice about this team is the personality. They have a ton of options, and they just don't care who gets the credit. Uh, but I, I think that recruiting uh, mindset is starting to change. It does feel like they've they've targeted more four stars and five stars and, and offered more of those kind of players. Obviously, it's a, a really big difference between offering those players and signing those players, but it does feel like it's starting to change. And they, they have one scholarship spot open in 2018, and what you can sell to that player is I've got 12 or 13 players coming back on a team that's already 7-1 and one and number 20 in the country. Could be a tournament team, could be a whatever 
uh, could win games in the tournament if they keep playing as well as they've played. And they and and it is going to shift a little bit, a, a little bit of, of recruiting news. They are going to get a, a, an official visit from Anthony Simons, the five-star kid from uh, from Bradenton, IMG Academy in Bradenton. And I do think they'll be a final three team in his recruitment. That's uh, a big-time player. What, was he like sixth, ninth he, nationally? He is number nine nationally. This is a, according to the 247 uh, Sports Composite. He's the number one combo guard in the country and the number three player in Florida. I mean, this is a this is a guy that he was committed to Louisville, got out of that situation after all the stuff at Louisville went down. But Tennessee, they were in there earlier this week to see him. Their their entire staff was there last week to see him. Uh, that's Rob Lanier with Brendan Point on that on that recruitment. They are going to be a big time factor, and they can go to Anthony Simons and they can tell him, we got twelve or thirteen players coming back on an already good basketball team, and none of those players can do what you can do. Yep, you can. the The table is set for you to come sit down and eat. Because there's there's a lot to do there. Yeah, you you can step right into a situation where the point guards around you are going to be set and they're going to be there, and right there, kind of that explosive two guard kind of thing, that might be the one kind of hole right now. And, and so, and, and, as, and it works out perfectly because yeah. James Daniel is a he only had one year of eligibility. He's on open up that spot. Yep. I mean, you can tell him your spot is open. Come do it. I mean, and that's that's what it feels like. It feels like if you could just get this one guy and and what we're Everybody's bragging about and, and, and praising is an eight-game sample of a 31-game regular season. Sure. They're, they're probably going to have injury bug bite at some point. They're going to have to deal with some stuff. And they're going to have a crap week here or there. Yeah, exactly. And, but, but if they can kind of turn the corner and, and be an NCAA tournament team and maybe sign a guy like this, this five-star kid or another high-rated four-star, whatever, whatever they end up with in the 2018 class, it feels like it's kind of teetering towards maybe they're really starting to turn a corner and do something here. Oh, I think they are. I think it's fair to say that. And, and you know, you're talking about that Simons kid. As, as much as I am a fan of Jordan Bowden, and, and as much as I think he could be great, uh, I just wonder if he's ever going to have that kind of alpha mentality. Because I think he's got the game to score in the high teens per game. I really do. I think he has the offensive game to do that. I think he has the shooting touch. I think he has the ability to put the ball on the bounce and go to the rim. I think he can go get some offensive rebound buckets. I think even as hard as he plays defensively, I think he still has enough in his legs to go out there and be that kind of a player offensively. But I don't know that he's got the demeanor to do that. So having a guy who comes in is like, yep, I'm a scorer. You know, a, a guy who a guy who's kind of like Lamonte Turner, but bigger and more athletic. You know, but has that mentality of when I'm in the gym, I'm open. And that to me is, you know, because this team, I mean, Lipscomb's not a bad team. I think Lipscomb might be a tournament team. Uh, I mean, Mercer's a tournament team. Yeah. And Tennessee beat the brakes off of them. Yep. And and that, and it wasn't just that Tennessee beat that Lipscomb team by 10. Garrison Matthews is a really good player. There's some good players on that team. Um, but Bone didn't do much. Turner had a bad game. Bowden had a rough game. And all that happened. And Tennessee was still never really, never really – in a bad, bad situation. Not a lot of nervous there. moments. No, they got down to like three at one point, and then Tennessee, boom, got it right back up to ten. So, you know, I I, I like where this team is going, and I kind of I, I I might be wrong about this because because it's tough to tell when it's around the time of, of final exams, and then you get into kind of that that winter break. Basketball crowds just aren't really the same during that time. They really start becoming you know, basketball crowds kind of more like in January. Uh, but there were only maybe, what, 14, 15K at that game against Lipscomb. But there were – they made noise. They they were they were into it. 
I just think that you're starting to get to a place again where that arena is going to be a really, 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 really tough place for teams to go play Tennessee because I think Tennessee is going to feed off that crowd. I mean, I know Sunday is going to be a madhouse, but I think going forward after that, I think when you start getting to the SEC schedule, I think that's going to be a tough place for opponents to go play Tennessee. Yeah, and and you have big games there. You have Kentucky and Florida there, and you have North Carolina there, obviously. And and the way this team plays with, with effort, uh, I mean, effort is their biggest thing uh, on the defensive end, on the offensive end, rebounding, uh, the stuff Kyle Alexander can do. Just the way they play the game is is something that seems like that Tennessee crowd will appreciate and will get behind. I mean, they're not they're not hitting, you know, 23s a night and, and hoping they outscore you. They're trying to scrap and play good defense and, and hold teams to, you know, 60, 65 points, whatever. I think the way they, they play with that effort and that defensive mentality, I think it's something that – uh, fans will appreciate, and if they keep having this success, obviously there's going to be more butts in the seats as the SEC season grinds on. But I think it's something that they're going to appreciate fan-wise, and it, it could really build into a, a good home uh, home court atmosphere because there's going to be a lot of people there Sunday that are going to get their first taste of, of what this team can do, and, and we'll see what they can do in that kind of in that kind of setting. But it's uh, it's something that's going to build, I think. Yeah, and what's this whole Kyle Alexander thing, like, I've always kind of been high on the upside for that guy, but he's become much more physical, much more effective. I mean, he he's his timing on those block shots is excellent. Uh, the way that he can hustle and get himself in position, the way that he's throwing his body all over the place to get those offensive rebounds and those tips and those other things. I mean, it, it's it's kind of been fun to watch this guy become the player that uh, a lot of us thought he kind of could be. He, he's starting to he's starting to really really be impressive in that way. I mean, he's starting to look like a completely different player. I mean, you don't even really recognize him. The last two years, you kept waiting. At some point, it's going to click for this guy because he's he's the ideal build for a center. I mean, he's not the thickest guy in the world, but six eleven with a, a seven foot plus wingspan. I mean, he is the ideal build for a, a center and a rim protector. And now you are starting to see him kind of turn a corner because it's it's not only that he blocks shots and that he changes shots, it's that he can – I mean, he basically stopped a three-on-one Lipscomb break Saturday. Yeah, he did. And, and he's very – he seems, at least right now, he seems very disciplined defensively where he just goes straight up and he makes you beat him going over the top. I mean, he, he doesn't seem that uh, – he seems disciplined and, and not fouling, just going straight up and, and making you change your shot. And if you can make it, that's great, but he's not going to foul you. Uh, as much as you're trying to draw contact. And and I think his biggest emphasis when he gets in games is play defense, create extra possessions with rebounds, and block shots and chain shots. And right now that's what he's doing. I mean, Rick Barnes called it the dirty work. That's what they need from him, and it's it's a pretty big X factor. Because guys like John Fulkerson haven't been himself lately, uh, still not back from that injury, it seems like. It seems like he's still... Shaking the rust off, that's a big body. I mean, I mean he's still Kingsport tough, but he's just he's exactly. working his way back. Don't, don't don't even get me started on the on the Kingsport tough. I mean, Eve Fonz hasn't been able to do nothing uh, right now, anything yet. Uh, I think he's healthy. I just think he doesn't know. I mean, when he's on the floor, he's getting directed what to do. That's somebody that when he does contribute, Tennessee will rely on for blocking shots and rebounding, changing shots. Uh, even Jalen Johnson. I mean, he's a six six guy that that can get up. Uh, he's a crazy athlete. He's kind of. Seems like he's a six six Quay Parker sometimes with the, yeah, the way he can jump, but he's not even contributing right now. He can't even get on the floor. If if they can just get to the point where those guys are contributing a little bit, add it to what you're getting from Kyle Alexander and Grant Williams every night, they're really good in those categories. Yeah, if those guys just continue to work in practice, I, I and and when they're going against these other guys on the team, if they just sort of progress at the rate those other guys have progressed, 
and they 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 kind of if this is one of those cream rises to the top situations, both those guys are are athletic and talented enough to be really good players. They just have to keep playing. They can't. This can't be one of those, and, I, and I'm not saying either one will be like this, but there, this can't be. A, I'm going to take my ball and go home yeah. kind of moment. It's got to be a, you know, it, it's got to be. A, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to fight my way into the mix, kind of like the the way Jordan McRae was when guys like Hobson were there in front of him. He just said, you know what, I'm better than those guys, and I'm going to go out there and work every day, and I'm going to prove it. And eventually, he did. So, I think if those guys will do that, then then they'll be fine. But talking about this this Carolina team. Uh, I mean, it's a good team. It's Carolina. It's the seventh-ranked team in the country. However, when you start breaking this down, I, I don't know that it's a great team. I, I think it's a good team, and I think it's got some great players. There's no doubt it always does. And you know Carolina can score and rebound under Roy because that's just what it does. But, I mean, lost 63-45 to 45 to a really good Michigan State team. You know, even in, a, in an exhibition game, beat Barton College by 11. Beat Bucknell by 12. Uh, did have a really good game at Stanford. Blew out Stanford. Uh, did did kind of put it on Arkansas a little bit. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, had, had an all right game against Michigan. Only won by ten at Davidson. And, and Tennessee has, uh, you know, Tennessee whooped up on Davidson. I think by a little bit more than that. So, I, you know, I, I I don't know that this is a great Carolina team. I think it's a good team. But I think this is a team that, especially in Knoxville, I mean, you saw last season. I think Darrington said it really well. Darrington said he remembered watching that Tennessee-Carolina game last year because he's just a basketball junkie. And he told me he was sitting around before Tennessee was really recruiting him, and he just that was a good game that was on that day, and he was watching it. And he said, you know what? He goes, by we, he meant Tennessee. He goes, and, and we're just a lot better team right now than that team was last year. And that team went to the Dean Dome and and should have beat those guys. So I think this team's going to be confident. Yeah, I don't I don't think they'll be intimidated uh, by North Carolina a bit based on what they did last year uh, with so many of these guys back on this roster that were part of that team last year and, and what they did in the Dean Dome. I mean, they were up what fifteen uh, in the first half, and, and that was a huge game from Robert Hubbs. He he kind of took over in that game, and and Jordan Bowden hit a lot of threes and and stuff like. Even John Fulkerson had a really good game. Yeah, uh, a I really remember, good game. I remember some kind of eye-popping moments from him in that game. But I don't think they'll be intimidated by the opposition. Uh, I think one thing they have to walk a line on is enjoying the atmosphere because it's going to be crazy. Uh, it'll be the first announced sellout of the Rick Barnes era. They've had 19,000 in the building for the two wins over Kentucky the last two years. I, I don't think they'll they'll be intimidated by the opposition. They just have to be wary of not getting lost in the sights and sounds. You can uh, appreciate them and notice them. And they're going to want that crowd noise and all that stuff, but you better not let it shake your focus between the lines. Man, you know what's going to be really, really fun in this game? There's going to be a lot of fun things in this game. But watching Luke May battle Grant Williams is going to be so much fun. You're talking about – and I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say this. I think Grant Williams is kind of starting to put himself in the conversation of best power forwards in the college game. I think he's – if he's not on that A level right now, he's on that B plus level, and he's closing. He's closing fast. He is able to do things, especially now that he's finishing above the rim and doing the things that he's doing. Uh, you know, because he's such a great shot blocker for his size. There's so many things. I mean, he looks like a baby Barkley at times. He really does that kind of stuff. He can do. And, and Luke May is a guy who has. You know, Conzo Martin tried so hard to recruit him to Tennessee years ago, and it, it, they had a chance until Carolina offered, and at that point it was done. He was going to Carolina. There was no doubt about it, uh, Carolina guy. But 
I mean, you got Luke May right now averaging just 19.9 and 10.5 a night. He's become just a stud. And but he is athletically a guy who's kind of in that same mold as as Grant Williams, kind of, you know, big burly, can do a lot of different things. That's going to be a really fun matchup. And then you got Barry going against Bone and two of the most athletic point guards in college basketball. I mean, you got a lot of fun things to watch in this game. Yeah, and and when when as national writers have kind of started to take notice of this Tennessee team, uh, obviously one of the bigger surprises in the SEC, maybe in the in all of college basketball at this point, that this Tennessee team that was picked thirteenth in the SEC is right now ranked twentieth in the country. Uh, what they mentioned first is that Grant Williams is a problem for people. He's a mismatch problem. Uh, he can step out on the perimeter and do some work if he has to. He can go down low and use his footwork and and his uh, his vertical to get over people, even though he's a little bit undersized. That is going to be a really uh, interesting matchup with, with Luke May. One thing Grant said after after the Lipscomb game was, you know, that team last year in North Carolina had Kennedy Meeks, Isaiah Hicks. They wanted to slow it down. They want to play inside out and do stuff like that. This team wants to run a little bit more. But what is encouraging their one loss, if, if you're looking at it from Tennessee perspective, is they only scored 45 points against Michigan State. They didn't lose 101 to 98 yep. in a shootout. Tennessee wants to do the same thing where you're – you're limiting, uh, you're limiting everything defensively. If they can ha- hold Carolina to 60, 65 points, and another really big advantage for Tennessee is uh, Rick Barnes has kind of risen to the occasion in these big home games in the past. I mean, they had no business the last two years beating Kentucky. No business. Uh, this this North Carolina team is talented, but they don't have Malik Monk. They don't have De'Aaron Fox, and that wasn't a sellout. That was a midweek game with with 19,000, whatever. This is a Sunday afternoon uh, primetime on ESPN, sellout, checkerboard crowd, all that stuff that's going into it. Uh, the good thing is Rick Barnes has rose to the occasion in that kind of setting before. Yep. And he's also risen to the occasion against Roy Williams, too. He's 6-5 and five in his career yep. against Roy. And now he has the best team he's had at Tennessee by leaps and bounds. And you start to look at this roster. I mean, Carolina, don't get me wrong. I mean, if you were – if you're going by recruiting rankings, you know, Carolina's wiping the floor with Tennessee. But but I think that if you were to do a um, – you know how, how in football, uh, CBS and 24-7 sports, we do like the college 24-7, basically. We kind of reevaluate guys during their career and, and kind of rank them not as prospects but just as college players. I mean, Tennessee would have a lot more guys who would be in that conversation. You know, guys who did not sniff that 24-7 or, or, or that kind of status, you know, coming up through the ranks. You know, the the Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield and those kind of guys who would be kind of kind of up there. Jordan Bone would be in a conversation now when you start talking about the upside. Uh, Kyle Alexander almost at this point would be kind of flirting with that line. So you've got guys on this I – mean, I mean – Shoot, Lamonte Turner on his day is a problem. He's a problem for people. And now he's throwing down dunks in transition, too. He's, which he's is another funny. guy that looks like a completely different player. That shoulder. I think that shoulder last year, I think Tennessee tried to keep it quiet. And But but when you're a shooter and you have a problem with your shooting shoulder, you've got a problem. And, and you want to hold your hand up as long as Lamonte does after his shot. You don't want Grandma yelling at him. He doesn't want Grandma yelling. Grandma calls him and yells at him when he doesn't hold that follow-through. <laughs> He's told me that. He said, that is a grandmama issue. She calls and she says, boy, hold your arm up. Hold that follow through. You're not holding your follow through long enough. He'd be like, grandma, I held it for, for, for like a second. She's like, hold it for two. She loves that follow through. But I think when you're looking at, at that Sunday, 
I don't think this is an all-or-nothing kind of game for Tennessee. I, I, I think if Tennessee sits there and plays and, and it's a good game and it's close and Tennessee loses it, hey, I, I don't think there's any there's any tragedy in, in, in losing that one. I, I think if you're Tennessee, as long as you go out there and put your best foot forward in this one, you're going to help your cause because you're going to have people going to that game who might be going for the novelty of it a little bit, but they'll see the way that team plays and they'll see that environment, that atmosphere – and they'll want to come back. And I think that is, you know, that's the one thing if we were to, to criticize, and I think we're both on the same page here, Grant. You can certainly speak for yourself. I don't, I don't want to speak for you. But I think the one thing that, that a lot of us, the only thing about Rick that we've questioned so far is how much he's willing to completely go sell this program not just like nationally, but but locally. Not going to go stay on the lunch tables like yeah. Bruce Pearl. Yeah, he's not going to do that kind of stuff. So he's not going to – and Tennessee has a history of the showman coach being the one who brings the fans out and then can keep them there, but that showman style gets them there. And Rick's kind of always been, you know, it's not about me. It's not about these players. It's about the program. It's about the program and what the program can do. It's like, I get that, but you got to sell yourself and you got to sell these guys. You know, you – more local commercials, things like that. I mean, with his with his personality, could you imagine Rick doing more local commercials? Mm-hmm. They'd be hysterical, like Rick Barnes doing like some sort of you know whatever Joe Smith Ford commercial or something, or like an Ed Orgeron Hummer commercial. You know, he Jim could call Dodge Chief Ram. Yeah, Jim Dodge Chief Ram, Highway. Yeah, that he could he could kill it, or like local restaurants. I mean, you know, kind of like that Peyton Manning with the with the the nun commercial that he used to do every year to thank them for doing his knee surgery back in the day uh, for St. Mary's, that kind of, he could be great with that stuff, but he wanted the program to kind of speak for itself in that way. And now the program's going to start doing that. And it, once people start going again, Tennessee's basketball fan base is criminally underrated because Tennessee, when, when, when you look at a lot of empty seats in that arena, you're still putting 14, 15,000 yeah. people in a, there. A, the arena's too big. <laughs> yeah, it just, it is. But, you know, that was in a different era where people didn't have, you know, the, the widescreen, you know, and, and the hardest H- 4K TV. The hardest people to get to the gym are the students. And if you can get the students in the gym and, and play well, uh, if, you go out there, if you go out there Sunday afternoon and lose by 30, you're going to lose a lot of people. Mm-hmm. If you go out there and lose in a competitive fashion, you're fine. Because if you looked at the schedule before the season started and thought, if Tennessee can get to SEC play December 30th at Arkansas with two losses – I mean, Rick Barnes would have would have bit off somebody's hand if they were offering that. Yeah. I mean, if they lose this game, yeah, it will be disappointing for that program and what they're wanting to achieve. But if you if you can go out and beat Furman next week, if you can win at Wake Forest December twenty third, you're going into SEC play. Uh, what nine and two, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not very good at math, uh, but that's huge. You're still you're still in the AP top twenty five conversation, if not still ranked. Uh, the key tomorrow, uh, Sunday is, I'm sorry, is uh, get to the first media timeout with a lead or tied or competitive. Get to the second media t- I mean, they're going to have to go four-minute stretches. Get to this timeout, get to this timeout, be in the game. They, they can't get in a 10-point uh, hole early and hope they dig out of it. Uh, they need somebody to hit a couple early threes, an Admiral, Lamonte, Bone, Bowden, somebody just to get that shot to fall. I wonder if they're just going to go right at him, though. I think that the way these guys – I think in that environment, they're going to be so jacked up and the, the confidence level they have. I think they're going to be like, let's go out there and just hammer them. Yeah, but they still – I think you still have to walk a line and be your normal self. Oh, yeah. 
you, you got to be the same team that that beat High Point Presbyterian. Just kind of approach it with that mentality because they're 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 they've arrived in the sense that they're number twenty in the country and other teams want to beat them. Mm-hmm. I mean, when they beat Purdue, Purdue was ranked eighteenth. Now Tennessee's only two spots behind that poll uh, that ranking. So Mercer, Lipscomb, whatever Furman next week, Wake Forest, those are teams that want to beat a ranked opponent to have that on their resume come March. So they have to start kind of taking on that mentality that North Carolina's that same mentality North Carolina's coming in with that it's business, you want to pick up a quality win and you you take care of business. It's it's not get lost in the hoopla on the circus surrounding this game because when you're a number twenty team in the country, you kinda need to act like it with that business approach while while also you gotta do come right at them at a sense because it is such a big game and such a, a unique atmosphere. Because Tennessee's had these huge games before with Florida's and yeah. Kentucky's, but this is a non-conference college basketball blue blood coming to Thompson Bowling Arena that doesn't really happen all that often. No, it was like when, when Texas came with Kevin Durant. That's right. You know, that, that kind of – and Barnes was the coach, and he'll never forget that – The five-second call of it? Yeah. Uh, didn't happen, or was it too quick? Oh no, he, he said he, he was like he was like, like that was a quick. He was call. like that was the quickest five seconds. It was a three second call. Is what that was. He's still bitter about it to this day. He is a bitter bear. He never forgets those losses. The the one last thing I'll say before we get out of here, I think there's two things I think about this game with UNC. I, I think one, I don't think UNC's players have any idea how difficult it's going to be to play in this arena in a game like this because they've never experienced it. And I don't blame them for not knowing that, but a lot of them probably just don't know. Uh, maybe Luke May, who came on a visit to Tennessee, has an idea because uh, he's seen the, the thing. But I think that that's one thing. But the other thing I'll say is this. Every time Carolina goes anywhere, it's a big deal. So they're going to be playing in front of sold-out arenas. True. Maybe not this loud and big. But they do go play at Rupp. They do go play. You know, I mean, they, and they, there will be a lot of Carolina blue in the building there because will. there, there are a lot of North Carolina fans in all reaches of the country. I would assume. Oh, and, and there's Vol Heels. And it's yeah, and it's such a unique uh, kind of game. I mean, they've they've never played at Thompson Bowling Arena against Tennessee. They've only been to Knoxville twice, and the last time was like Harry Truman was president or something. So th- there'll be a lot of Carolina blue, and sometimes I think that can play into Tennessee's favor as well because there's always a lot of Kentucky blue. And it almost feels a little bit not like a neutral site, but there's a lot of Kentucky noise in that building when Kentucky comes to town. And I think Tennessee has kind of fed off that the last couple of years in the the way it's been a really, really good environment to play basketball. Oh, we know there are Vol Heels, just like there are Vol Cats, though. The whole Tennessee football, <laughs> Carolina basketball fans, the people who grow up kind of, you know, especially those people around Asheville, people around the border there. And there's a lot of Tennessee football fans in western North Carolina, too. Uh, sort of that whole four area, four hour stretch or whatever has a lot of people who wear orange during football season and then that that sky blue baby blue during basketball season so yeah I mean I, I think that that some of those people will be there uh, I mean there were even some Tennessee football players I remember like Jock McClendon who's a huge huge Carolina basketball fan and it's kind of funny uh, I'd like to talk he would have been a fun person to talk to about this podcast be like so Jock which way are you leaning on this I actually one, big guy? I actually grew up a ginormous Duke fan there you go uh, between 95 and 2005 ish and all my friends, and this is in Kingsport, Tennessee, all my friends uh, in that time period were Carolina fans. So I got ragged on endlessly if Carolina beat Duke, and I returned the favor if Duke beat Carolina. But from the the Steve Wojciechowski years to the Jay Williams years to the, uh, the John Shires, the guys after that, I mean, I was a huge Duke fan. But I, I was surrounded by Carolina fans. Yeah, one of my best friends growing up uh, has always been a big Duke fan, and I think it was almost to troll his dad. Yes, my Be- dad hated it. My, beca- dad, my dad called him puke. Oh, uh, because because his dad went to Carolina, 
And so, you know, I think he just did it kind of to mess with his dad and, and so they could have that fun rivalry growing up. But, but you know, there, people like Grant Williams grew up Carolina fans and wanted yep. nothing more in this world than a Carolina offer. Never got it. And, hey, you know, sometimes things like that can work in your favor. Look at you know, Hubs grew up kind of wanting North Carolina offer and, and took it to the heels last year for that reason. So, and it wouldn't surprise me if someone like Fulkerson or somebody like that felt the same way. So, you never know. Some guys will rise to the occasion in these kinds of games. Bottom line, it's going to be a really cool Sunday. Yes, it is. It is going to be a really cool atmosphere, really cool situation. I think it's going to be fun. And if you're watching on TV, you don't have to listen to Dick Vitale because it's Jay Billis on the call. Ooh, how about that? This is uh, this is Tennessee's moment in the sun for sure. I'm pro Dickie V, though. Yeah. I think he's. I, I, I don't he's think a, you're I, alone, I, but I, there's I, a, there's an anti-Dicky. Oh, there's crowd. no question. That's ginormous. Well, every time I've met the guy, he's been just completely awesome, and he, his 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 love for the game. Say whatever you will about him, his love for that game is completely genuine, and uh, he's also good to young people in the business too. He was good to me a couple times when I was younger and ran across him. So. Guys, this is going to be a fun one. We're going to we're going to bring that to you. We're going to have a lot of coverage leading up to it in the next few days about it. We're obviously going to be all over it Sunday with tons of stories and tons of coverage and video. And we'll be back a little bit later in the week. I guess Friday morning we'll have a uh, a football podcast to talk about. You know, I mean, I know this is a basketball school, but you know, whatever. It's we'll, true. We'll still talk a little bit of football occasionally. Grant, any final thoughts? It really is a basketball school. I started out with a joke. That was a joke. No, it's not a joke anymore. How about that? So that's your final thought? It just really happened. You do have a final thought this time? Nope.